0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made For More podcast. There is nothing more that I like doing than speaking to amazing, inspiring, incredible leaders. In fact, there is one thing I like more than doing that and that is speaking to amazing, incredible, inspiring female leaders and I got to do that today and uh, you are absolutely going to love today's episode. I am talking with Erin Fairman. She is the Chief Executive of Youth Opportunities. If you have not had a chance to, learn more about youth opportunities, absolutely jump on it. And Erin, as a kid from humble beginnings, has a passion for helping young people remove their barriers to thrive. To do that, she believes that we need to ask, listen and empower young people to shape their world for the better. As I said, the the work that Erin and the team at Youth Opportunities is and are continuing to do and spreading not only throughout South Australia, but nationally and uh, in our interview, I learned internationally is absolutely outstanding. Please make sure you check out today's show notes, madeformore.com.au forward slash 29 to learn more about youth opportunities, to learn more about you, how you can help with youth opportunities and uh, you know, really get behind this amazing, incredible organization that are looking to raise uh the next generation of leaders. I loved talking with Erin. She's absolutely incredible and so inspiring. Let dive in. You are going to love it. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert and a teller lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team and your business. Let's go. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made For More podcast. I am very excited to be joined by Erin from Youth Opportunity and uh, it's interesting uh, when we were setting up today's uh, interview and the podcast episode, Erin and I were both uh, gushing over being fans, big fans of each other and uh, I'm very happy to be able to share why I'm such a fan of Erin and the work that her and the team do at Youth Opportunity. So good morning and welcome Erin, how are you? Hi, Ali. I'm great. I'm so excited to
1: finally actually, well, meet you over online, but that's the closest we've had so far, which is
0: amazing. (laughs) Isn't it so funny in this day and age of connectivity and we can, you know, follow each other and I feel like we've known each other for years, but we actually haven't uh, really met in real life yet, but we will very, very soon. I'm sure. So before we get too far into it, I would love if you could share uh, with me and with the listeners a little bit about where you've come from and where you're going.
1: Um, yeah, great question. Where have I come from? Ooh, that's, that's an interesting one. I heard someone recently say where I've come from is in my face, if you look at my face and where I'm going is in my soul. And I thought, well, that's deep. I'll just go more literal. So where I've come from, because I'm quite frankly, I spend a lot of time at the beach. So I grew up very humble beginnings in central Queensland, grew up around a lot of the things you don't want kids to grow up around, managed to have some post-traumatic uh, growth and spread my wings and moved to South Australia as a young adult and with my family, managed to get my family to relocate to the big smoke of Adelaide, if you can oh, believe it. Going places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Well, compared to a small mining town in central Queensland, it's pretty big. Yeah. And I spent quite a lot of my career, as you were saying before, in one very large company. So I had about 11 jobs over 17 years in the water utility here in Adelaide. And I feel like I went through about seven different industries in that one place and feel very fortunate for the development and growth opportunities in that company. Some tough times, but um, also some amazing growth. And for about the last three years now, I guess I've been here at Youth Opportunities, which is a South Australian non-profit working with young people in our community. Prior to joining Youth Ops as my day job, it was my side hustle. So I was a volunteer on the board of Youth Opportunities for a few years prior. And uh, the board some just one Thursday afternoon the chairman asked to have a meeting with me and I didn't really know what he wanted to chat about but wandered across Victoria Square to see him in his workplace and he said do you want to quit your day job and come make youth ops your day job and you know could you take pay cut while you're at it that'd be great because we'd had about three shots at recruiting a, a succession plan for the CE who bless him had come out of retirement um, to manage youth ops as a favor to the founder. And it was trying to get back into retirement. And because I'd been on the board for a few years and they knew me and I'd supported them with strategy and a whole bunch of other things. I was a bit of a safe um, bet for them really. And I said, sure, I'd love to make it my day job and take a pay cut and come live world of enormous purpose. (laughs) So that's where I've been and where I'm going. I guess I've been having a lot of chats with people lately about the difference between goal planning and intention setting and whether it's lazy that I just set intentions instead of goals or is that evolved and woke of me I'm not sure so i yeah thanks mate thanks yeah I'm woke I've decided to try it for this year so this year I'm all about growth so I'm growing in my garden at home I'm growing my muscles I'm trying to put on some muscle mass and I'm growing youth ops which is a big change agenda for us we um, have aspirations to be much bigger and have a greater impact for more young people right around the world and Mm -hmm. the world of digital now makes that so much more feasible so yeah that's where I'm headed I'm headed for growth
0: I love that so when you talk about you know the growth happening within youth ops you're talking because at the moment it's South Australian based yeah it's just kids or young people within our community within South Australia and you're going to go global
1: Yeah, so primarily we're about 23 years old now, so we've been around for a long time. There's about 13,000 graduates of our programs. So we've, you know, some of those are in their early 30s now. Uh, few of them work here which is lovely some of them are teachers in some of the schools we still work in Uh, some of them are international opera stars you know they're all over the place and of course some of them are 15 so we primarily work with 15 year olds this year is the first year that well technically last year last year is the first year that we started working with young people right around australia yeah. Uh, so we do work with people interstate now through our online platform and we also can train people up to deliver youth ops programs themselves sort of under this kind of license model we send them the manuals we give them the training and that's my favorite model technically because it builds capacity and community for local approaches so yeah we're definitely lining up for that i just had one of our trainers in here saying, oh, I've just got this amazing company down in the southeast want to sign us up to work with their apprentices. And we've got apprentices all around Australia doing our programs now. So we've got donors in America who said, man, you got to come to the Napa Valley. Kids over there have got the same problems they have here in Australia. And we just there's nothing like you in the States and can you just hurry up? We said, well, yeah, sure. Apart from the time zone difference, we can do that now. It's really wonderful. The challenges that we had last year in COVID have really set us up for growth in the future. So it's silver linings. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was going to say it does sound like a silver lining and, and I'm finding that as well, that, you know, where we were, you know, located, you know, in South Australia and previously it was like quite isolating and, you know, small small town, small city, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now the the fact that everyone knows what Zoom is and everyone knows how to get online, mostly everyone's broad broad language there, but it does open, literally opens up the door to, you know, all of this international and being able to impact people at a far wider reach than what we have ever had in the past which I think is just so wonderful that yeah. you know that youth ops can do that and you know figure out the time difference a little bit or you know
1: yeah, that's, you that's know. your biggest problem yeah um, you know you tackle some digital poverty sure and some literacy yes you can account for those things yeah but much more when people have an appetite to work online you see the telehealth stuff now with psychologists as well like if if people yeah. come at accessing support face-to-face one-on-one with people but online um, then it removes so many barriers that we've had up until now, and even as a non-profit, so none of the people we work with in the school communities pay for our program. Yeah. students don't pay, the families don't pay. The school does make a contribution because it's important for us to make sure that that school is tackling this as a whole of school cultural approach, mm-hmm. that we're really partnering with them. Yeah. And the school leaders, the principals who sign this up, definitely, We, you know, we have a partnership with them. They're investing and our donors are investing. It's really important to them and it's important to us. But the families and the young people don't pay and that and we have actually a two-year mo- a model where we'll run a program for a school term but then those young people get coaching from us one-on-one for two years wow until way. they finish high school which is a really rich um program it's you know it's a program that gets amazing evidence-based outcomes but it's expensive yeah. to run that way especially when you're talking about being in communities we work all around rural and regional south australia as well as in the metro outer metro area yeah. not so much in a metro because we do as a charity work in mostly areas that are experiencing more challenges so yeah it's a really expensive model so the online opportunities for us means
0: that we can reach more people with our wonderful
1: supporters dollars as well
0: that's amazing that's so incredible and Mm -hmm. you know young children having young what do you call them young adults young children old children people Young people, having that continual support through those, like, mm. I guess, those tough and challenging years, the final years of high school. There's a lot going on there, you know, work-wise yeah. and socially and, and you know, trying to get jobs. That's amazing. I had no idea it went for that long. That's absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: what I'd love to know a little bit more about is when you were doing your intro, you talked about being in the one organisation, working in utility, but having, mm. you know, multiple jobs across that time. And I find this really interesting because I have a similar background because I think, you know, we kind of tend to wipe the slate clean when it comes to working in one organization. But tell me a little bit around, you know, how moving and shifting within one organization gave you the, the foundation that you have now to be able to run YouthOps.
1: Yeah, such a great question. And Ali, you were in kind of like a HRE sort of background for a while.
0: I worked in finance for yeah. a long time, oh, banking yes. and finance as an industry, but did a lot of different roles within the within yeah. the company. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I was in utilities, and they're huge businesses, and they yeah, they're enormous, and they've got a lot of technical experts in them. And they need to. You've got lots of scientists, accountants, engineers, and then you've got customer service people and payroll people, all sorts of different roles, but some really technical roles. So in that organisation, I just became known as a generalist in a world of technical specialists. And I was the person who they would kind of call in where something was a bit weird, a bit multi-team, some challenges needed to kind of break through some change. And I just over time built up, built up this reputation as being the kind of the Mary Poppins that you call to come in for a few years or a couple of months to fix something up and then, you know, get it to the next level and then pass it on to the next person. Yeah. Technically, I had a technical background. I've started in IT, in information technology. Oh, right. I got an IT degree as my undergraduate. and But I also did marketing as part of that degree because I worked out after my first coding subject that that was kind of boring. <laughs> like, surely we can just get computers to do this, can't we? Why, why is a human doing this? And I did my you know, it's a business degree, you do a bit of everything. And so I did the intro to marketing and I went, wow, humans, you're telling me that we do things because of all these other factors and we can influence them for good or for evil. And I remember one of the biggest light bulbs came when they were talking to us about how McDonald's designed the seats for it to be uncomfortable after something like three and a half minutes because they oh. want to get you out after that time because they, uh, they'd they worked it out. And it just blew my mind that the world was being designed to encourage humans subconsciously to behave in certain ways yeah. and how amazing is that? And I never wanted to go into advertising marketing, but I wanted to go into strategic marketing. How do you use this power for good and for change and influence? Oh, right. So I ended up doing an, a minor in marketing and doing most of my subjects actually about that. So I got an idea. A job in IT when I got to SA Water. But from there, I just went out and worked in all the really complex business change areas. And it was, I've also done an MBA. And so my my life experience in those roles in that company was kind of like a real world MBA. i worked in the customer strategy areas. I ran social media for a while. I did school education. I ran the governance PMO, project management office for the infrastructure projects. I ran the infrastructure investment portfolio and had CPAs working for me. I wasn't an accountant or an engineer, but I was sitting managing $2 billion. And these engineers and accountants would come in and say, can I have $4 million for my tank? Yeah. And then you know, I can't even imagine what was going through their heads. Like I'm asking this young woman if I can have four million. She doesn't know anything about engineering or finance, and she's the one that gets to say whether I get the money or not. Yeah. Um, but I was just really good at asking provocative questions and yeah. making sure that there was robust decision making and governance and connecting with customer, which is what that organisation is actually really great at. Yeah. So I was the right person to stay out of the detail, be a generalist and know enough to ask the great questions and how people should work together, but not enough to get into the nitty gritty of it. And it was, yeah, amazing. So it meant that then coming into somewhere like youth opportunities and you're now a chief executive, which is fascinating, a chief executive and a (laughs) not-for-profit. I've got some really amazing allies who are chief executives and not-for-profits that I lean on heavily for a is this normal? Yes. <laughs> this, is this what we're doing? Am I? <laughs> one, day, one day I'm getting the keys cut and answering the reception phone, and then the next day I'm coming up with a ten-year growth strategy and how to approach the federal government about changes in school curriculum. Like, is this yeah. normal? Wow. Like, yeah, that's one that's entropy, kind of what the yeah. job is. <laughs> and I, yeah, I guess growing up in a large organisation with diversity of roles kind of cut my teeth for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. And it, it sounds like it's given you such a platform around not having to know how to do everything, but being able to find the right people and ask the right questions to get things done as well. Oh,
1: so right. Cause it's a trap to think that you do know. And and even here at YouthOps, you know, we mostly work with 15 to say 17 year olds. Yeah. And if you want to stand in front of a group of 15 or 17-year-olds and tell them that you know everything about the world, then you're in denial because you don't know their world. <laughs> like, and being, I'm, I'm 41 now, so, you know, what I went through, what was happening in my world when I was 15 is just nothing like what these young people are facing today. It's so, the world is so different from, you know, like 15, 20 years ago. So, yeah, you always, I always like to, remember that I
0: don't know everything. Yeah. And I can imagine that, you know, young, the youth of today are very good at reminding us about that. As as you may or may not know, I've got four young boys and the idea of them being 15 or 17 or any kind of teen um, in between totally freaks me out. So, and even, you know, they're they're probably still 10 years away from that. And I just think their life as teenagers in 10 years is going to be very different to what teenagers are uh, right now. And it blows my mind. I'm not ready to... (laughs)
1: Need to face that. that challenge, you Don't no. worry, they're no. not either. It's okay. You'll both grow
0: together. Freaky stuff. So, I I love I love the work that you guys do at Youth Ops, But tell me a little Thanks. bit more program that you're running I know recently on LinkedIn that's where I like to that's where I like to see all of your bits and pieces you've been giving a bit of a summary about your program your mm. um, personal leadership program yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that because I think that personal leadership is one of these things that even as adults in leadership roles don't understand the concept of what personal leadership is so what are, yeah. what are you teaching you know your 15 to 17 year olds that are part of the program what is it?
1: Yeah, great question. So we talk to young people about this leadership program that we run at YouthOps is all about you leading yourself. So the person you are leading is you. And we'll often hear those in, you know, in management leadership circles that, you know, got to fit your own mask first, or you have to lead, learn how to lead yourself before you lead others. So it's all of that. But with 15 year olds, like I was 30 before I really started diving into management and leadership programs. So it just blows my mind that we get to do this with young people. So it's all about their locus of control and helping them realize that they are in the driver's seat of their life. They can't choose everything that goes on in their life. They can't choose where they live. They can't drive probably yet either at 15, but they actually have all of the power over their habits and attitudes so we spend a lot of time talking to them about neuroplasticity and how their brains work and how we can get ourselves into really positive healthy habits that will lead us towards success and that you as a personal leader have that power so you can't always influence everyone around you and the things going on your world and yes you do have to go to maths (laughs) if you want to be successful long term so you can't choose everything but you can choose the habits and attitudes and we can give you the skills that will lead you towards your version of success so a really important thing for a personal leader is that they need to understand their version of success for us success is happiness uh, but for them what what does happiness mean what is going to make them happy so we spend the first couple of weeks with them so it's a day a week for 10 weeks is the traditional model that we run the first couple of weeks spending a lot of time doing that high-level goal planning and helping them connect with with your visualisation, a whole bunch of other things that connect with what does a successful future look like for you in your career, in your relationships with your family, your friends, with yourself, your relationship with yourself and your self-image and your self-confidence. And once you can visualise those things, how do we help you build the skills and habits and the attitudes that will take you that way in life? And yes, let's talk about your careers and let's talk about the steps that'll get you to your careers, but also more broadly than that, a lot of these young people don't know what they want to be or they're struggling with one of five options Mm. and we kind of help them lean into that and say that's okay you just have to decide what you do first and you have to decide what habits and attitudes and what type of person you want to be and how you're leading yourself that way so if you end up a nurse first and then a teacher later that's okay or if you start nursing you don't like it you go to teaching that's okay it's the fundamental stuff inside you that will be more enduring building your resilience towards the challenges that will come your way and how you're choosing growth every day to build your resilience so yeah so how you lead yourself in a nutshell
0: I love that and are you finding with the work that you're doing now with these with the youth is a lot of people or a lot of older people that haven't probably experienced this at a young age in those formative Mm. years that a lot of people put their worth around their jobs whereas if we're thinking about building growth you know growth mindset and how you actually want to show up as a person then you can I don't want to say chop and change jobs Mm. you become less about the job that you're doing and more about the kind of person that you're showing up have you I don't know if it's been going long enough for you to see Mm. some evidence of that. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, we've got, yeah, like decades of graduates now. Interestingly, so you've been seeing some things on LinkedIn because I'm personally running a training program this term. So okay. I think. Been- I've been, had that goal for myself since I joined Youth Opportunities full time that I will run this program one day. So I'm doing a review myself every week of how that's going with the group I'm working with. And you're so right, like you and I lived our lives as generalists and found our value in being flexible. And, you know, I often share with the students when it's relevant that my husband became a teacher in his late thirties. He'd never been to uni, he'd never been a teacher. And so, you know, it's never too late. And I've got friends who are nurses who then went to be teachers and engineers who became florists and, you know, you can rediscover yourself. But I've actually found for the most part with these young people, it's already the future is too overwhelming for them to come at them starting there. It's almost like I'm finding um, with these particularly, as I say, 15-year-olds, year year 10, they've got some really serious subject choices coming up next year. 11 and year 11 and 12 we're asking them to think about their next two to four years like what's happening post-school are you going to uni are you going to take you are getting apprenticeship what's going on for you and it's almost better for us it is better for us to help ground them in a path choose a path yes don't hold it too tightly to the point you're going to get anxious but unless you set yourself some goals you're aimless Mm -hmm. what are you aiming for so it's we kind of course correcting on two ways there find your version of happiness, find what success is. For us, a lot of that is in your own self-confidence and your ability to get through tough times, your resilience, no matter where you end up. But you need to have some goals because otherwise, what are you aiming for? And it's too easy then to procrastinate and not be motivated and not choose growth because there's no reason to. So, we, ha- we work with them to help discover what are your reasons to be motivated? How can we help you be motivated and push through last week? The activity, which is the diamond in the poo. Like, what is the diamond <laughs> that you love so much, that your goal, that you're so willing, the million dollar diamond in your future, that you are so willing to dig through poo? Because you need sometimes you don't want to go to school or you don't want to get out of bed or you don't want to do your homework or you don't want to have a tough conversation with the teacher that you're not getting on with. Or yeah. there'll, there'll be things. Are hard, and unless you've got something to motivate you, you won't push through. you would just give up and procrastinate. So yeah, it has been a fascinating journey for me to work
0: with them, working directly with them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I've been loving your updates, actually. Um, <laughs> What have we got this week? Which is, um, which is amazing. So do you find when you do kind of get into that goal setting space with these young people? Cause I think, I mean, there's a number of adults as well that have aren't familiar with actually goal setting, you know, normally around new years, everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to get fit or I'm going to, you know, do something or another. And it's all very loose and a bit unsure. And then come February, everyone's sort of forgotten. And then, you know, probably about December week before Christmas, we're like, yeah, <laughs> oh, we should do actually on the 1st of January, I'm going to set a new year's resolution. Mm-hmm. And I think this idea of actually, you know, forward thinking and Projecting yourself into the future—what does it actually look like—is not a common concept to many people. How are you finding youth being? Are they a bit more flexible, as in a bit more open to this? You know, dreaming. I guess dreaming about what their future could look like. Yeah, well,
1: one of the activities we do is a dream sheet, Um, (laughs) and then there are a couple of visualizations where we ask them to wake up in their ideal future, and we take them through a guided kind of meditation of what that looks like and we also there's another activity around you know it's your 60th birthday and what are people saying about you not what you did but who you are yeah. so there's a few ways that we help them come at it and again we've got groups of usually about 18 young people at a time so some of these tools that really resonate for some of them some loved the visualization they could imagine the taste of the pasta as they came home from work that night to their favourite dinner <laughs> or exactly what their office looked like when they were a psychologist in future. And others loved the more tactical, here is a diary planner of Monday to Sunday, every hour of the week, how are you spending that time? How many hours do you have to play with? So everyone's different. They'll pick yeah. up different things. Yeah. We come at it lots of different ways, but they are definitely sponges. <laughs> and yeah, some will work with some tools better than others a really critical part of our program is the group work but then also one-on-one coaching so while we take groups through these really great experiential learning tools and normalizing in the group by talking about oh you know hands up how many people have had that challenge with their siblings or hands up how many people have got that challenge with one of their teachers that's really great normalizing stuff we'll also take them out for one-on-one interviews where I can sit with them individually and I'll say Ali. Your self-image is great. Your confidence is great. Your self talk's fantastic. You just don't know what you want to do when you leave school. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the next person I take out of the room, it might be Erin. You really know what you want to be. You want to be a marine biologist and that's great. You've worked all that out. But your self-confidence and your ability to speak up and to form relationships with those around you to get support is something we need to work on. So let's work on that. So the great thing about the breadth of the tools in the program is that they can take what they want and the coaching makes sure that we set them specific challenges related to their needs and what we'll, and their goals. They tell us what their goals are. Yeah. What do you want to get out of the program and that's what we work on with them.
0: Yeah. So how do the how do these teenagers get into the you into the program? Do they find their own mm-hmm. way? Are they nominated through yeah. schools or <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, well, we give them a map, they find their way. That sounds really cute. We should totally do a map. No, so we we work primarily, our 10-week program is in secondary schools, a a principal, the, the school leadership would go into partnership with us. Once a school says, yes, we're doing this, we go in and we talk to the year 10s about the program. We have graduates there that do most of the talking to Mm -hmm. the young people about what they got out of it It was like don't listen to us listen to other people who've done the program and then they apply we interview them for five whole minutes and then we put a cohort of 18 students together in some schools we will run once a year so they kind of get that one shot at it Mm -hmm. in other schools we'll run every term we try to get at least 30 percent of every cohort of year 10s through the program to get a whole of school change and ripples so Salisbury High that we've been at for 23 years runs three programs a year there's just a language in that school of stars and black holes which is one of our core concepts and kicking the cat which is another concept like it's just in the school you don't have to have done the youth ops program Woodville High is another one but they just talk that way because we've got enough of a critical mass for the we also run parent and teacher workshops so we've got parents teachers and the students having this shared language we this year so I think in about another two months we'll have a publicly available program mm-hmm. we also have a workplace-based program so we're working with some sporting clubs some work workplaces apprenticeship organizations job network providers that they can recommend to young people up to the age of 25 to do our program but again they still the young people would still have to say I want to do the program we've yeah. We don't kind of have, they can be encouraged, but we don't have a referral, you're signed up because that sense of agents Mm -hmm. and that sense of, I want to change something in my life or I see an opportunity to improve my future is really important for all these tools. Otherwise, it might go nowhere.
0: Wow. I love Mm. love it. Let's shift gears a little bit. So you've been working at YouthOps for about three years and CE for what, two, nearly two? Yeah. So tell me a little bit around, you know, some of the, I guess, the challenges you've had as part of your own leadership journey from going as an employee to now, you know, setting the direction, joining a new team, jumping in, you know, tell me, tell me what, I guess, you know, you found challenging and how you've overcome that.
1: Such a good question. I think in the early years, definitely the biggest challenges were around a shift in industry, Yep. The not-for-profit youth kind of sector, mm-hmm. very different to the industries that I'd come from. We're talking about highly professionalized structured industry. So I was in government, in utilities, in project management worlds. So very different. That was kind of interesting to navigate and try and work out new language sets and who's who in the zoo and where are my allies i'm a big networker and partnership person so for me it was trying to find the allies who are the like-minded people who else is trying to do great work in our field Uh there are a lot of small charities and organizations and there is a it's patchy like some are national some are just in tasmania some are just in rural new south wales and trying to link those up and find the people I could work with definitely is keeping me very busy for three years. (laughs) I have got an amazing tribe now, um, not just for myself as a a young female leader, but also generally in our sector. And the other interesting thing for me was the shift from a volunteer board member to a chief executive. So it has taken me a while to stop being a board, acting like a board member (laughs) and letting the board act like a board and letting me act like a chief executive because I think in most organisation that dynamic between what a board does and what a chief executive does especially in nonprofits, is is really variable depending on different skills and experience who's got the time and the and expertise so that's been really challenging and as I said I'm a big fan of um, peer mentoring so I've got about six peer mentors at the moment Luckily, <laughs> um, peer mentors or coaches who I bounce um, yeah questions and challenges off of
0: yeah, wonderful. And I've heard you talk um, quite a bit about play in the workplace. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're big joy seekers here, so I love this. And I can see you clapping, which is I think maybe you love it too. So, let <laughs> yes. see a little bit about it's not a new concept, but it might be new to some of our listeners that aren't, you know, looking into this style of working and what it means. Unpack it for me. Well, lead with play.
1: Yeah, so I think... Now, here at Youth Ops, I'm one of the least playful people, which is delightful. But certainly in my professional uh, industries career, I was by far the most playful person. And it did take me a long time until probably about my mid-30s, I suppose, to really own that. Had a lot of, I guess, kind of like imposter syndrome. I was really throttling it back. I was not being my authentic self mm-hmm. all day, every day because it was so out of Match with what was around me, and then I took a sabbatical for three months and came back fully myself. And that was a bit intense for people, but I unleashed all of the errand, and it just meant that what I saw in that period where I just went, you know what, I I fundamentally believe that we can have fantastic business success through encouraging playful cultures and I'm just going to be myself and go for it. And I saw the results come in, culture surveys and internal team profile dynamics and business outcomes flowed from the teams I was working in and leading. We were just being more playful and it looks different for everyone. It's really important to have inclusive play. But the big thing for me I found in professional businesses is that People literally would say to me, we're not Google Erin. We don't just, you can't play here. It's not Google, you know. And it's like there's only one version. You either are a stuffy business person or you're Google. <laughs> there's no yeah. in between. And there is so much in between. And you don't have to have, you know, here at Youth Ops, we don't have a budget for funky furniture and internal slides like they yeah. do at Google. Um, but we find lots of different ways to play. And there's so much research now that talks about how team bonding and well being enhanced relationship forming enhanced through playfulness. Yeah. And I mean, it can look so different for everyone. For me, it's wearing cartoon t-shirt. I'm wearing a Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirt today for my husband who works in another utility, a different utility. He's an ex-history teacher. So on his Microsoft Teams background every day, he puts a day in history image, like an image of, I don't know, it. He said every day, every day he changes it. it takes That's him all fantastic. of three minutes. He Googles yep. what's in history. Last week it was, I don't know, the first sale of the South Australian wools. Company and so he had a picture of wool behind him, and he goes to the, all of his team meetings. People are like, "What's with the wool, man?" Oh yeah, well you know sheep shearing blah blah. And he's had someone say to him on Friday, "I really look forward to coming to meetings that I know you're going to be in because I want to see what's behind you." Ah. And if that is not a powerful indicator of how he's helping people get excited about being at work, interested in talking to their colleagues, and then, you know, switching really quickly to let's talk about business. Don't spend an hour talking about wool shearing. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you know it's for him that's a really accessible way of playing i mean there's team building you can do obviously art therapy there's amazing people a bell in adelaide there's a guy frank who does lego serious play for strategic planning you can go tree climbing there's so many different ways that you can but yeah i'm a big believer that playful cultures are really successful business cultures
0: I 100% agree and I think somewhere along the line we we got all a little bit too serious and then because, you know, the person next to us was serious, then we decided to be serious and, you know, before you know it, there's a whole bunch of serious, you are like, you know what, I'm sure that this is meant to be more fun, this thing that we spend all this time at, you know, a third of our lives every single day, like, come on. So I think it's great and there is absolutely more room for play, I think, in all areas of our life, not just at work, but, you know, outside, I think, yeah, somewhere along the line we got a bit too serious with a few bits and pieces for sure. It can be, yeah. So I'd love all the listeners to
1: find a way to be a bit more playful at work today.
0: Do you have any, you know, what's your go-to play option or play resource if you had to run it for a team or for our listeners? Where can they find out more about play?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. There are are some great people in America who have all sorts of toolkits. I mean, I guess if you Google like icebreakers, so the the corporate version of that is like, you might start a team meeting with a bit of an icebreaker, something that's not, entirely off topic but it is about understanding each other as humans and there's some really great icebreaker conversations when I was doing with my niece on the weekend oh, probably not work appropriate that's if an if a spaceship came to your school today and took three of the people who would you want them to take now that's not a very nice one so we talked about how we weren't going to answer that one but there were other things there about you know what was your highlight of your week or you know if you were a teacher for a day what topic would you be the teacher for Uh, just any kind of random thing that opens up a conversation to get to know each other better and to discover the authentic self within us and questions that don't require a lot of psychological psychological safety you know so you don't want to ask a question like what was the most traumatic thing that ever happened to you? Because that's not going to be really psychologically safe. It takes a lot of courage for someone to talk about that. So you want the stuff that just kind of helps you see a little bit of the real person beneath.
0: bit of humour. I remember being in a meeting once and uh, and it was an icebreaker, but it was a very, you know, forced icebreaker. But the icebreaker was around what was the most disgusting thing you've ever eaten? Yes, you're like, oh, gosh. So first you had to be like, what are all of the disgusting things I've ever eaten? So then you've got this, like, mental idea of, like, what have, like, you know, if you've ever travelled and (laughs) anywhere that's, like, anywhere. Oh, my gosh. I learned more about the team in that, you know, five-minute icebreaker, about where they would travelled, what they didn't like, and where someone was like, oh, this was really disgusting. Someone else was like, oh, I tried that, and that wasn't the most disgusting. And it was such a funny conversation. You're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, hilarious stuff.
1: And see what I love there, Ali, too, is like you start to discover the diversity of humans um, because we do get stuck in that trap of forgetting that not everyone's the same as us, even when we know it. We forget that people prefer to be motivated in different ways or communicate in different ways and you, you do forget you get biased back to your own style when you're under pressure and you've got a lot of tasks and you're trying to get stuff done yeah. and so conversations like that just kind of remind us that everyone's different they experience different things what one person loves another person doesn't and just helps you remember that you're a team that have to work each other out to work well together It
0: was so fun. Oh, man, it is so fun. Do you know what's been fun? Talking to you today. I've loved this and a good segue. Learning more about, you know, you and what you do at Youth Ops. I think it's just incredible that young children are being or young adults are being educated I keep learning young children because I'm so used to talking about young kids you've got very Um, little
1: ones
0: (laughs) young adults are learning some of these skills that you know like you said in your 30s you didn't start learning I don't think I learned a lot of this until I was probably in my 30s as well and I'm a big Whitney Houston fan and she's got a song around children are our future if you've ever heard it I won't sing it for you but um, Ah, I just think that this is such a I guess it's just such a good springboard for children to be able to go through young children uh, young adults older children teenagers to go through to be able to have that you know that foundation piece before they've even really hit the workplace and you know the impact that it's going to be having on the community is truly amazing so thank you so much
1: oh it's my pleasure no I feel very fortunate to be part of it and to have a chat with you today thank you
0: and uh, for anyone who's listening where can they follow you or find you connect with you yeah. So
1: I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. My name will be spelled out, I guess, in Ali's notes because yes, it's not an them. easy one, but we are Youth Opportunities as our organisation. If you see a big blue and green star, wow. you found us. Stars is one of our signature decisions, four big decisions. So yeah, you can have a look at our website, follow me or our organisation on LinkedIn or we're pretty active on Facebook as well as Youth Opportunities.
0: Yeah. So quickly, just on that, the star, because I know you said stars mm-hmm. and was it black spots black holes black yeah. holes tell me yeah. what your star four big decisions what's that
1: yeah so our four big decisions or when we talk to young people about their habits and attitudes we talk to them about the the four big decisions that personal good personal leaders will make every day and it's a filter that you put all your decisions through about what you will and won't do will and won't say how you're moving your life forwards four big decisions it's decide to be happy decide to goal plan decide to use stars and decide to grow. And stars for us is positive communication. It's the one we start with. So a star is any sort of positive communication that makes you feel good or other people around you feel good. So it's self-talk, whether you're talking to yourself kindly or not. Are you sending yourself a black hole by saying, oh, I tried and I failed, I'm stupid. Or did you send yourself a star by saying, I tried and I'm really resilient and I'm going to get there one day because I know I, I can keep growing. And when you're sending, you know, when you send the students, So when you get home and you dump your bag at the door and you go in your room without saying hello to any of your parents in the house, do you reckon that's a star or a black hole? Do you reckon that's telling them, you haven't even said a word, but do you reckon that's telling them that you care about them or that you don't care about them? And what could be a star? How would you send a star to your parent when you got home? When you you walk into a class and do you say hello to the teacher? Do you grunt at them? How would you send a star versus a black hole? And we talked to them about the impact of that communication. Like if you send a star, what happens next mm. is you get stars back over time. Or you, if you send a black hole, you get black holes back. So you, you wonder why your teachers are grumpy at you all the time for talking in class. What well, do you think talking in class to your friend is a star or a black hole? You send a black hole, you got one back. If you don't talk to your friend in class and you say hello to your teacher what do you reckon you're going to get back experiment try it see what happens yeah. see if anything changes so that stars and black holes that's one of the most powerful ones obviously and the others: decide to grow decide to go plan and decide to be happy and the decide to be happy when we spend a fair bit of time on too because it's not toxic positivity being in denial about reality it's going out of your way to cultivate habits of happiness yeah so it's all the good self-care stuff Mm -hmm. but it's also things like looking for positives how are you Biasing your brain to notice the negative things in life, or are you biasing your brain to find the positive things? Because they're both there, negatives yeah. and positives are there, but yeah. you've got a habit and attitude to find the positives. And things like random acts of kindness and gratitude lists so how do you create a habit of happiness? And yes, you can have a habit that says everything in my life is terrible, or you can choose to write a gratitude list every night. Three things that are good, doesn't mean the bad things go away, they're still there. But you can get into the habit of seeing the positives and creating a more happy environment for
0: yourself. Yeah, I love it. I'm a big um, Mm. fan of gratitude. Mm. I'm very grateful of gratitude. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we practice that here at Made For More as well. I think it's a good way to start the day. Wonderful. So before we leave, I mean, you're an incredible leader in your own right. Tell me, for any of our upcoming leaders, what would be your top five tips? Oh,
1: so many tips. So this is why I love the one-on-one stuff because I I do a lot of mentoring with young university graduates and young adults and, oh, man, the tips are so specific. So I think I'd start with saying go out and get coaches and mentors, whoever they are, whether they're at school, sports, friends, whoever. Get into the habit and develop the skills of talking to people about your ideas, asking for advice, finding mentors in your world that you can confide in, ask them questions, but also who will inspire you, whoever inspires you, whoever's, if you've got a goal, go and find the person who's already achieving that goal and hang out with them. If you want yeah. to be a chief executive or a doctor, go find one and hang out with them yeah. um, because they will be able to give you more specific advice about how to get where they are and help you with where you're at. So that's helped me a lot, trusting myself and what I want and then going, and getting coaches and mentors to help me with that. Yeah. Obviously, playfulness is a big one for me personally and being, for me, that authentic so you know you could just say generally be authentic it's not easy to find your authentic self again having lots of coaches and mentors helps with that yeah. but it's it's been a journey for me to arrive at that being my authentic self and I had lots of help from some amazing people to get there I did these fantastic programs called Impact and Influence with um, Tams and Simmons the last few years that helped me arrive at that aha moment and for me I get a lot of value from volunteering so that you know so much evidence that when we volunteer and be of service to others which a lot of us attribute to purpose having purpose it doesn't necessarily have to be but it actually improves our own well-being our own sense of purpose and our own skills and habits and attitudes as well so I think if you're you know feeling a bit down directionless not sure what you want to do Oh, you've just got some discretionary energy. Go volunteer somewhere. Discretionary
0: energy.
1: You've got some discretionary energy. Go spend it in somewhere where you'll make the world better love it yeah i don't know is that five probably probably
0: yes that's five that is five (laughs) wonderful tips for any of those upcoming leaders and i love this discretionary energy that's gold use that wherever you want love it thank you so much for all your time today of course if you want to uh, connect with erin and check out YouthOps, all the links will be in the show notes but thank you again Uh, you're doing amazing work
1: Thanks, Ali. It's been great to talk to you. And, yes, anybody that wants to get in touch to talk about how to work or support with Yo, where Youth Ops, we're more than happy to have a chat.
0: Would love it. I'll put all of the links in the show notes so people can go directly there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com forward slash podcast and of course if we aren't connected already you can find me in all the usual places ali nitschke on linkedin ali.madeformore on facebook and instagram i hope you have an awesome week and i'll catch you again soon bye bye